friends at Tivoli Brewing Company and the Department of Communication Arts and Sciences at MSU Denver, this is Unfiltered. And here are your hosts, Jay Schrader and Dr. Samuel Jay. When they come to take you down, when they bring that way. Christina, it's Christine. Kristen. Kristen, Kristen Jesus. Um, <laughs> wow. We haven't had a beer yet. I had one at this lunch. Is, no, he's a banker. He has an excuse. He's it was a Weldworks Hefeweizen. Bullshitting so with people. What can I say? At least I went in Rome, right? Went in Rome. All right. Are we kind of in there, everybody? Jay, do you want to be cut, on there? Yeah, you know. No. We'll, we'll have the... Uh, no, the, Colin's the man of the hour, not me. Yeah. I can do one of these every once in a while. Christine, um, well, I guess... I'm purpose going to call you Christine from now on, so, or Christina. Uh, Kristen. Um, Can you just answer to anything for the rest of the podcast? Yes. Got a K? Please. Oh, I was saying it, Christina, with a C. Oh. No, you were, you were all confused. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Jay, we, this is a very special one for us today. Furthest right, I've this, gone for the show. I was thinking, I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is the, the star at the top of the Christmas tree. This is yeah. Weldworks Brewing Company. In Greeley, Colorado, and somehow we made it. Thanks, Justin Winselman. Yeah, Justin. Wow, Christina with a C. Justin Winselman. Yes. Yeah, Justin Winselman. Stratum Jim CPA, by the way. Look at him. He's little, here. A little extra. Yeah, Justin made the drive, same as the rest of us. But uh, setting that up, we're excited to be here at Weldworks, and this must be our extra special guest. Oh my gosh, we're getting fold or, up, or our fold other up. guests. Yes. All right, before we jump into a bunch of introductions, Kristen. Christ Almighty, Colin is... What is your title here at Weldworks? I'm our director of operations. Okay, so you run the show. You are... <laughs> I, I wear many hats. Yeah, I was going to say, you put a lot of pieces together, for sure. Okay. And how long have you been here? Since day one? Uh, since day negative four okay. months. Okay, wow. So <laughs> I, you were I on was board our first, early. yeah. And do, what, do you have any background in brewing, or I mean, this was your first kind of... No, not at all. I mean, this is a first for, well, most of us here, right. actually. Yeah, just a right place, right time. Okay, very cool. How'd um, you get sucked in, then? <laughs> uh, by very fortunate circumstances. Um, I knew uh, Colin's wife at the time, and we were working together then, and uh, she was like, hey, husband's open a brewery, and I was like, count me in. <laughs> That's Bold move. Pretty fortuitous. <laughs> yeah, good. no shit. Yeah. How many times has somebody said that to you, Sam, and you were like, eh, I don't think so. Yeah. Like, who wants to open a brewery? Okay, so are you from Are you from uh, up here, Greeley Way? Uh, no, um, I'm originally from Indiana. I've been in Colorado about six years, okay. and I actually just uh, moved to Greeley about um, four months ago. Okay. Yeah, I, I was commuting from Fort Collins for a long time. How far of a drive is it from Fort Collins here? Yeah, it's like 45 minutes at most. So it's still not. Okay, but I mean. There's a drive, but yeah, it's worth a it. And who's this young man next to you? We'll have to share mics, everybody. This one, Colin, this is you, by the way. Uh, I'm you get Derek it dedicated. Uh, I'm the lead brewer here at Weldworks. Okay, Derek. And how long have you been the lead brewer here at Weldworks? I've been here for three months. Three months. Give wow. What do you think so far? You hate your bosses? Oh, so much. You want to leave. Uh, what's your backstory? Where'd you come from? Um, I came from Left Hand. I okay. was there for seven years. Okay, awesome. Um, that was my first brewery and just had a homebrewing background prior to that. Okay, fantastic. Cheers to that. And then last but not least, Colin. What's your last name, Colin? 
It's me. It's Colin. You. It's you. It's Colin. It's me. <laughs> it's a me. It's a me, Mario. <laughs> it's appropriate given uh, Derek's shirt, I think, today. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, it is. That, oh, 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 wow. It's a combination of uh, Fear and Loathing Las Vegas and Mario. That's yeah, a badass shirt. Yeah, pretty sweet. I need that. Exactly right. Okay, so Colin, you are the, uh, you're one of the head honchos here. Actually, all of you are extremely important. Yeah, co-founder, CEO. Okay. All right. Um, where do we want to begin? I guess we should begin with the big weekend. That's what everybody's kind of asking us about. Your big annual kind of shit show was this last weekend, right? Absolutely. How'd it go? It went absolutely wonderful. Okay. Uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, but we upped the ticket count by about 50 people per session. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, rearrange the room layout, open it up a little bit more. Uh, so even though we had a little bit more people, uh, hopefully they didn't feel it uh, all that much. We definitely had plenty of beer to, to flow. Right. Uh, nobody did not get what they didn't, you know, the, everybody got what they wanted mm-hmm. uh, of all these rare beers and, uh, and everything else. But uh, it, in terms of planning, execution, all that uh, kind of project management piece of it, flawless mm-hmm. it was a hell of a lot easier the second time around just because we were able to really just pull the trigger again on what was implemented last year systems process procedure uh kind of shit uh this year we were just able to tweak it a little bit more to make it a little bit even uh better so fixing a little some of the issues from last year incorporating some new ideas this year like the silent auction okay. we did do one last year this one was a little bit more organized uh spread the love uh, across other breweries a little bit more, and ended up netting uh, even more proceeds uh, for charity. So all in all, a very wonderful festival. We think we're going to clear probably about 20% more for charity this year compared to last year just from efficiencies. So for those who don't know about the festival and the kind of, you know, the weekend, can you just a little bit of premise of of what goes on and and, and, um, how things got started and also the name of it? Um, yeah, so we've kind of, uh, it had been a long time dream to be able to put something on um, an event that would have a huge impact on our community and also drive people to Greeley. And so it's kind of been a, a pet project for a little while that we finally decided to pull the trigger on. Um, and uh, we actually spun up a uh, WorldWorks Community Foundation last year um, in order to kind of uh, facilitate all of this. And um, it, that, that's just been awesome. We raised uh, $40,000 last year, wow. um, which we dispersed among a handful of uh, really amazing organizations um, locally here, which was very cool. Um, but yeah, our dream was to create a festival that was going to be a little bit more uh, intimate and um, intentional. Um, we've been making friends with some of the best breweries in the world the past few years, uh, which has been awesome. So we wanted an experience that was um, very brewer-centric mm-hmm. um, for all of us to kind of get together and hang, get to know each other, but also that was um, a, just kind of a different experience for the festival goers too. We have all um, uh, breweries that participate. It's owners and uh, head brewers and kind of decision-making people who are um, really familiar with the ins and outs of every facet of their organization. So um, festival goers can, you know, sit there and interact nice. with, the, yeah, you know, the people that are the head honchos over there, which is kind of a cool experience. Um, Kristen, and- can you drop a couple of brewery names for us? Just yeah. tell us who was here. Like, what did what did Sam and I miss out on? I'm sorry, what was that? What uh, what breweries were here? I mean, who who else was in the house oh, over man. the weekend? Um, we had uh, 46 breweries, and um, I think all but about 12 were from out of state. So we really uh, sourced, uh, you know, 
from all over the country. Um, we had uh, Voodoo and Side Project and Other Half, whose actually beard did not make it, sadly. <laughs> but the brewers were here. The, the brewers. Um, we, uh, Stephen Pauls from uh, Boulevardia. We had Eric Salazar from Other Half. Um, uh, Kurt and Thomas from Voodoo. Um, man, I've... Yeah, there's um, oh. yeah, we and actually we did a lot of collabs with these breweries yeah. while they were here as well. Um, so we did a collaboration with American Solera, which is really cool. Um, we knocked out straight into barrels, and those are fermenting right now. Wow. Um, we did uh, collabs with Voodoo, with Great Notion, with Microphone. Mm -hmm. um, so we're super excited for all of that. So are you just a beer nerd? Like, are you just a beer nerd? Like oh, you yeah, of yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, absolutely. How did the homebrewing start then for you? Like, uh, was it – it's interesting. You know, we get the typical stories, and then we've had this run where we're getting – brewers who couldn't buy beer in college so they started making it in their closet <laughs> that's our new really favorite about that yeah, yeah. Was it like what was your story what was your kind of introduction to, to beer um i did an oregon trip um through portland and along okay. the coast with my wife probably 10 11 years ago okay um and that's what really got me into craft beer and then i worked with somebody who was homebrewing okay. who kind of got me into it um and then it sort of became an obsession and eventually a career that's so, amazing and so this place, obviously, you know, kind of a mecca in terms of front-range beer. Oh, absolutely. When you, uh, you know, when did you learn about Weldworks? I mean, it was something that was always kind of you. I you was were... here opening weekend, okay. so I used to live in Greeley. Okay. Um, and the craft beer scene here wasn't, you know, amazing. There were some mm -hmm. breweries that were, that were doing some cool stuff. I mean, Crabtree was here yeah. for quite a while. Um, but it was exciting to see uh, Weldworks open, um, and I wanted to check them out with some people that I was working with at Left Hand at the time. Okay. And so I was aware of them uh, pretty early on. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, before I forget, because this tends to happen when there's you know alcohol around, what was the kind of relationship when you launched this thing with the city of Greeley? Like, I understand that everybody probably asks you that with every podcast interview, but just to, to kind of create a baseline for our listeners... The city, I assume, has embraced Weldworks, you know, um, was it always like that, day one? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, they really helped us with uh, being very patient with us, uh, kind of being general contractors on our own project. Oh, nice. uh, we didn't hire anybody for that. So okay. it was me and Kristen and, and Neil and a ragtag uh, team of volunteers uh, doing everything that you see. Uh, now, mind you, we didn't stand up walls and, and some of these other things, but all of the demolition aspects of it chipping up tile and everything in between we took all that on ourselves and uh we had never submitted a, a business like building plan to the city planner department yeah. before and so they were very very gracious with us uh very patient with us uh very much uh got some handshake kind of deals like we'll let you do this just promise you do this next week after you open. It's like, yes, 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 okay. <laughs> no problem at all. And, and uh, we definitely fulfilled our obligations there. But um, even uh, to this uh, current date and time, we have a lot of projects going on right now all over the brewery. If you walk through, there's just construction everywhere. Um, and they've been very gracious to, again, on a handshake deal, uh, not look the other way. They're keeping a very close eye on us. Uh, but they're allowing us to proceed with some elements of construction while some prerequisites that maybe would have uh, stopped that permit uh, they've allowed that permit to go through uh, they they like business they're hungry for it uh, they like the revenue obviously as, as a result but uh, anything that I think casts Greeley in a, in a in a spotlight something that can give our our brewery a, uh, or city 
uh, a good name they're going to support uh, wholly. So it's just a great town to do business in. Uh, no speed bumps. Yeah. And you guys are, as far as I can tell, and I did some laps around the town. It's been a long time since I've been in Greeley. You're just a stone's throw from the center of the city and the government buildings and everything else. So, I mean, you're pretty critical, I would say, or I would imagine at least, to, to proximity here and business lunches and the courthouse and everything else. Am I wrong? Ab- absolutely. And it was uh, definitely our... Uh, our <laughs> Pinball. We have our we have our, our extra special guests of honor. Yes, that's amazing. That's and okay. if they're if they're anything like I was when I was a kid, there's not a single quarter in that machine. There's not a single ball rolling right now. I will give you ten dollars if you pause for ten minutes. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay. Adds to the ambiance. Uh, the good news is, I think between Sam and I alone, we got five kids between us. Yeah. Justin's got a few at home. Yeah, so we we're all used wait, to we it. We can also feed them whiskey. Uh, <laughs> Help them sleep. That'll, that'll stop it. Uh, but no, we were absolutely dedicated to uh, being downtown in Greeley. Um, I love uh, to uh, be, I'm into the foodie scene. I love to go out. Uh, I love to experience the city centers and anywhere that you go, uh, whether it's uh, Denver or Colorado Springs or, or Fort Collins or, or really anywhere, there's usually a, a very cute kind of downtown area where people are, if it's not a hot spot like maybe Fort Collins and Denver, uh, th- those even those cities that aren't being able to experience that that downtown revival right away or at least investing in that downtown experience and so i think everybody's catching on that that downtown heartbeat is is the vibe of the city and investing uh, accordingly into that and so uh sure we could have uh, been way out west and that's where the majority of the population is and we still kind of fight this uh, i'm not going to go over the that other side of the tracks uh thing here in greeley this east versus uh west kind of a thing but uh, we are helping to get people over that mindset. Yeah. No, there's not a lot of gang activity downtown. You can safely walk anywhere downtown, I, I promise you. Uh, and so it's just helping to kind of uh, uh, turn that conversation around and, and really give people an eye into what a downtown community experience can be, even if it's just here in, in little old Greeley. So it truly was this building or bust. Well, and it's an amazing building. It's beautiful. I've never been up here. The other thing that surprises me about it, I happen to have come in from uh, Eaton this morning, actually, for another job. But um, you guys really strike me as being kind of really where two worlds intersect, right? I mean, you're right on the edge of an industrial and rural agricultural community where everybody can and probably is coming in from the farms and the ranches out north and east, but then you're also on the other end of town where you've got a college community nearby and lots of homes and lots of people. And Christ, it seemed like a million houses being built between I-25 and and Greeley itself. So I I can't imagine there's a recipe for too much failure here. Yeah, and you know, we're beneficiaries uh, both in business and in residential of of a town that's uh, still affordable to, to get into. Um, from from a business standpoint, we couldn't have afforded to, to buy this property in uh, Denver or, or really anywhere else. And so being in Greeley just gives you a lot of ability to do what we've done. And you can kind of see it as you go down this 8th Avenue corridor and you, dr- and you drive it from north to south. ton of apartments going down there uh, close to the college, a great college. We have all the key ingredients to a successful city. And people forget about that. We, we have a great uh, hospital system. We have a great state college. Uh, we have a great library district. You, ha- you have all of those kind of core elements that make a city 
uh, vibrant, no matter, even in a downturn, you have these supportive services that aren't going anywhere. Uh, compared to a town like Eaton, uh, definitely a lot smaller. Uh, are they going to have a, a huge hospital anytime soon? We have two. Are they going to have a state college anytime soon? Not a knock on Eaton. I actually love Eaton, and I have uh, used to work there quite a bit. Uh, but it's just, uh, we, Greeley is the uh, kind of the, the little kid in the state that was always a, a proper city. Uh, maybe didn't catch the growth curve that, that a Denver did, that a Fort Collins did, that anybody else did. But the growth opportunity is there. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be happy to, to fill all their glasses full of uh, yummy liquid. So Yeah, send them this way. That's for sure. So you talked about ingredients Let's talk about beer ingredients. Yeah, let's get into that because this is because yeah, that yeah, that's this. really why we're here. Mike, hand it over to Derek. I think Derek's going to run the show for a few minutes here. Um, I don't even know where to begin. We've got everything but bananas, right? We've got vanilla beans. We've got Breckenridge bourbon barrels. Um, what won't you brew beer in or with? Let me start there. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't think there's anything we won't brew beer with. And, I mean, that's kind of the amazing thing about Weldworks um, is that there's just so much creative freedom here and nothing's off the table. And everybody is able to kind of lend their voice and kind of pitch ideas. And uh, I haven't heard a no yet. So Out here in Colorado, we have had a crazy long snow season. So skiers and snowboarders out there have basically been able to get deep into June without hanging up any of their gear. And so in celebration of how awesome it's been, our friends over at Denver Sports Lab, Sam and Leaf, wanted to let you know about some specials that they are running. And if you have any questions about what I'm going to tell you here, uh, feel free to give them a call at 720-383-8999, or you can email them at contact at denversportslab.com. Now, before I get into the specials, let me tell you that Sam and Leaf will ship what you need across the country, but these deals are, are pretty great. And so... Um, make sure that you take advantage of them if you're preparing for the next season or maybe you, you damage some gear skiing on those rocks at the back end of this of this past season. Whatever it is, if you need to get some new gear, make sure that you take advantage of some of these, these deals. The first deal that Sam and Leaf are running is that uh, you'll get 5% back on any of your 2020 atomic and head equipment orders. And so if you make those orders between now and August 1st, they're gonna give you 5% back on your purchase. Or if you're a member of a ski team, they will take that 5% and they will give it back to you for team development funds. And so I don't know if you're part of a ski team, a lot of the folks, the Denver Sports Lab helps out. They are part of those ski groups. And so that's one of those perks, but if not, you can just take it for yourself. And so make sure that if you're gonna buy any of that 2020 atomic or head equipment, you take advantage of that 5% back deal by August 1st. The other thing is, is they got a lot of stuff left over from 2019. I was just talking to Jay and I think he and I might be buying some some 2019 equipment. If you're looking for some new equipment, shoot them, shoot them an email, contact at denversportslab.com because they've got skis from Atomic, Blizzard, Fisher and Head, as well as boots from Technica and Fisher. If you want to get some new gear and see what they have left over in stock, give Sam and Leaf a call at 720 720- 383-8999. You can also email them at contact at denversportslab.com. Let them know if you're interested in any of that stock that's still there from 2019 or any of those new orders for 2020. You want to make sure they're 
they're in by August 1st, so you can take advantage of that 5% back. Denver Sports Lab, Salmon Leaf, they are the best in the business. Jay and I will vouch for that. They've taken care of us. They've taken care of our friends. And we would love for you to take advantage of what they can offer. And so in addition to any of those, those products that I just mentioned, when you're getting ready for the next ski season, make sure that you have Salmon Leaf take care of you because they are the best tuners in the business. Whether you're a boarder, whether you're a skier, they will take care of you. That's Denver Sports Lab. And you can learn more at denversportslab.com. Along those, along those lines, I want to ask a little bit of a difficult question. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of mythological status up here, mythical status for sure. How do you three decide, and everybody else, what we're going to kind of put on tap here and experiment with, almost like a mockery. We were at mockery a few weeks ago yeah. and really embrace that kind of experimental and not so much the distribution. How do you kind of manage that split between what you're only going to have on here and then what you can make sure ships well and travels well and what kind of pressures does it put on you as a brewer um i mean it it is interesting um especially for something like uh cereal pitching yeast um just because we we have a lot of dead ends yeah um but in terms of like you know i I think everything basically starts here and out of our tap room uh prior to going to distribution um, but yeah, we kind of gauge, uh, how things do here and mm-hmm. how the local crowd reacts to it. Um, and, and then we kind of go from there. Okay. Well, I guess Colin, or, you know, Kristen, from your perspective, do you look at numbers? Do you like to say, okay, well, this is really taking off. Let's try, you know, distributing this or is it something? Oh God, no, re- no, okay. No, okay. No. Nothing right. like that at all. It, okay. It's truly, uh, and, and this is what's so fun about bringing, uh, in people, uh, like Derek, uh, we also have a new cat uh, that joined the team right around the same time, Skip, uh, and uh, along with Nate, these guys comprise the leadership in the in the back of the house. But what we've been able to do just in the short time that Derek's been here is really get a lot more inclusion into uh, the recipe process, the okay. idea process, and everybody is using uh, varied palettes to fine-tune. Fine-tune is our big word of the year. Uh, diving in and, and fine-tuning not just beers but people processes uh, all sorts of things uh, but everybody's been able to really kind of chime in on that beer uh, execution yeah. and it's really up the game because we've been able to it's it's no longer just like it, and it was never me it was my partner Neil but it's no longer just Neil tasting and going like let's take it here let's take it there and he definitely still uh, contributes heavily to that process but when you can build a, a, a structure that incorporates everybody's uh, uh, own individual imprints mm-hmm. uh, on what they like and where they think styles are going and everything else and you can find a collaborative way and a very communicative and respectful way to include everybody you don't want to just a, a pot of just everybody's shit just dumping in there, mm-hmm. of course. Um, but everybody is very cognizant of, of the beer and making sure that it comes out uh, perfectly executed. And so, and all these cats have great freaking palates, mm-hmm. much better than mine. Uh, but we're getting more people uh, participating in that process, and it's really strengthened our beer output uh, game quite a bit. But we don't look at numbers. We don't look at anybody else. We do look at other breweries and who we love and what they're up to and everything else. We attend a lot of festivals. Kristen has us scheduled yeah. all over the freaking nation, like 365 days a year. So we do a lot of traveling. But the good part about that is you're seeing these other taproom environments. You're experiencing this other element of customer service. Gosh, they did that. Why don't we do this? Let's do that. Okay, done. Uh, and they're brewing this. Like, could, could you even imagine that? You could brew it with this. Uh, what do we just do? Gummy bears with cerebral? 
Yeah. Nice. So we just brewed a. When's that? When's <laughs> yeah. that going to be available? Oh, it's already out and it's sold out. So Shit. it came in. Wow. And it was good. It was good. It was really good. Is that one ever coming back? It's <laughs> just. Let's be honest. It, 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 when it's when it's that popular, and I'll pick on maybe uh, spaghetti goza as well. When it's uh, something that's truly out of left field. So we brewed yeah. uh, spaghetti goza. Yeah. Uh, for GABF uh, last year, served it with little slices of pizza, and, and it's definitely a foodie kind of a beer. Uh, but uh, we're not afraid to take those kind of risks, and we're not afraid to like just carry in ten pizzas. But you know, uh, as GABF uh, security is looking at us, going like, "Are they supposed like just <laughs> just keep, act like you're supposed to, and you're not going to get questioned?" <laughs> so we all do that. Uh, but that just uh, that uh, that experience, that uh, that customer experience of trying something that just what the hell am I drinking? We love doing that to people. That said, we're never going to put out a shitty beer. We, again, we have good enough palates that we're not going to release a, a shitty spaghetti goza. It's going to be a weird beer, but it's going to be a well-executed weird beer. You know what I mean? Do you think you have more freedom up here than you would if you were in Denver? Like, do you have a more experimental freedom? Uh, sorry, say that one more time. Do you think you have more experimental freedom? Is there less pressure? Maybe up here. You know, I don't. I don't think our locale has anything to do with our experimentation. I think yeah. our locale definitely would have altered where we're at right now, just in terms of operations and strategy and growth. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what we would have been like had we been down there. Um, but being kind of an oasis yeah. and not having to compete in the Denver scene. We, we never competed in, in Denver since day one. We're not like, gosh, how do we get people from Denver? Yeah. Uh, anything along those lines. So kind of being an outlier in our in our own small town, we were able to kind of just do whatever the hell we mm-hmm. wanted to do mm-hmm. um, and just let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Um, we didn't, we opened up, there weren't long lines. There wasn't this expectation. There, we didn't, Nobody knew us before we did this, mm-hmm. and and so we were able to play the, the slow and low game, and we opened uh, like I'm so sorry you were here on opening weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask what what kind of impact that had. I mean, it took him a couple of years uh, to come back around and yeah. get the job. Was, was he blackballed after day one? <laughs> no, and, just, and the three I, year I limit was the up. Fact or? that he showed up for four beers uh, that yeah. we had on tap for pretty much a whole year. <laughs> Uh, you know, we it took six months for us to really kind of uh, cut our teeth on the system and and uh, figure out how we build a, a team and process around three people: myself, my partner Neil and Kristen, and and uh, we brewed on on Fridays, and uh, we switched uh, turns, uh, man in the tap room during the week. I think we were closed Monday and Tuesday there for a while. Yeah, for a while. Uh, and so it was just a homegrown, homespun, and everything else, and. Uh, we fortunately just kind of kept growing and we were smart about how we opened and with what amount of cash we opened with and costs were low because we're in Greeley and uh, we were able to be patient and play the, the, the long game with it and, and that all kind of culminated wouldn't you say in, at our first anniversary oh, yeah. that's really when we hit the ground running with Juicy Bits and Medianoche and, and everything else and that's, that's when we had the lines and that's kind of when pow, that's when we hit the scene and, and uh, the word got out. So Speaking of Media Noche, my buddy Eric wrote a bunch of questions I was supposed <laughs> to ask. He's like, he, he's like your uh, fanboy, by the way. <laughs> Another professor. Hey, he's a professor. <laughs> with me. Uh, he wanted to know if you're going to make any of the double barrel Media Noche or the coffee maple Media Noche again. 
I don't think anything's really off the table. Okay. I mean, Noche kind of it hangs out in barrels for about eighteen months. Okay. Um, most of the adjuncts come once it's debarreled. Okay. Um, but I don't. It's possible that we'd be doing those again. I think Possibly he drives up not. here every I think week. We always so try and okay. keep things fresh. And okay. Do different things and kind of keep the creative process going. Fantastic. So. Okay. Eric, if you're listening right now, as far as I can tell, there are three media noches on tap right now. Yeah. We got a coffee rye, an 18. That's the seven year age, aged in seven year Breckenridge bourbon beer. He gave me a hundred bucks to come up here and buy beer. So that's and that's then the right. rye. This is the second time I've done it. Just a hundred bucks. I got to load up and put it in the trunk and drive it back to us. And you so take ten percent, right? Yeah, exactly. One funny thing, and I'll let Derek uh, to speak to it, but uh, our coconut brandy. So we served that over at Invitational. I think we tapped it right for the Invitational, right? We had it on here at the tap room too, but uh, we poured that over at Invitational, and the the ratings on that beer was just, mm-hmm. it's the best and biggest media noche that, that we've released to date. Can you say why? I know we use special barrels, and we're tweaking the recipe, but why? Um, so it was, the, the noche was uh, aged in brandy barrels, and then... Um, it sat on uh, a mix of toasted and raw coconut, okay. which is pretty rare to do, raw especially. Yeah. Um, I'd played around with raw coconut in the past and didn't really get much out of it. Okay. Um, but we used it at, um, I believe, a pound per gallon. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of coconut in there. Um, yeah. So it picked up a ton of coconut flavor and not just the, the normal toasted coconut flavor that you're used to getting in a beer. Um, so it was really interesting. Um, it was super coconut forward okay. and the brandy kind of mellowed it all out and it all just came together and uh, people seemed to love it. So Was it like a milky taste too? Like you had that kind of raw, like I guess explain a little bit kind of in terms of the palate that made it so unique from just a regular toasted coconut. It was definitely uh, a little more nuanced than what you would get okay. from a coconut beer where you're just like candied coconut. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it was really interesting I'm, I'm sad to see that it's gone already. No, that's it. your beers don't. Uh, your special ones, especially, don't uh, stay here very long. I've noticed. Um, let me ask about the branding and the marketing because that is what I mean. This place, people stand outside for hours to buy your beer. You have, you know, grabbed social media by the throat and really figured this thing out. Was this is this you, Kristen? I mean, like, oh, no. did you know from day one that we're going to do this? I mean, who? At what point was that conversation had between uh, you know the, the decision makers that we can use this platform to really boost our brand and and, and spread it not just locally but also nationally? Uh, I mean, it's really funny actually because it, it's all been completely organic. Yeah. Um, we actually didn't even really have anyone focused on marketing until, what, six months ago? Wow. Um, our director of sales, uh, Jake, became our director of sales and marketing. Okay. Um, he's got a natural knack for it. But until then, I mean, we, we'd spend probably like 500 bucks a year total yeah. on marketing um, efforts, you know, just like a boost of Facebook posts here and there. Um, but we decided to become more intentional about it uh, because, you know, we, we do have... Um, eyes from all over the country on us, which is so humbling and so incredible. And we want to make sure that as we grow, um, it's all very cohesive and that uh, our story and who we are and what we want to share with the world is um, being communicated properly. But yeah, we, uh, one of my friends uh, works for a PR firm and she always used to laugh about how uh, 
you know, it's amazing that for you guys not actively trying to put all this effort into shaping mm -hmm. the story of, you know, this is who we are. She's like, it's amazing that it's all been positive um, yeah. because people have been telling the story for us and it's astounding that it's been such a great one, but we're, we're getting a handle on it now, I think. You were kind of one of the first ones to really embrace Untapped, right? And the kind of popularity of, I don't know if you did it on purpose or whatever, but just as a beer drinker, um, you know, your stuff was on there. And I wonder just how much of it was just kind of uh, serendipity, it sounds like, in a lot of ways. And then, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, obviously, you know, we were all very familiar with Untapped. And back in the early days, we would be cheersing or toasting every, uh, you know, check-in and everything. And I think yeah. that kind of personal element stood out, too, because we would be taking the time to do that. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, it's just the, the beer has been quality and people people notice that. Yeah, no, 100%. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? I do, actually, but I'm going to turn it right back over to this guy. But, um, you know, un Untapped, uh, it, get, it you know, gets vilified. Uh, and, yeah. And you certainly can't listen to it uh, 100%. And you can't use it as a... A mechanism to say what should we do next, mm -hmm. and and I don't I don't know a brewery that does that. I, I really don't, um, and I also don't know any breweries that put flour in their hazy IPAs. I'm just going to say that like right now. Um, but that said, so wait, it, that's a myth. That doesn't actually happen. God damn you! I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay, geez. it's so crazy. Oh. Um, but but that said, it does give us a, a good insight into we care. So fucking much about our customers we really really do we from from just the, the taproom experience to how the beers look in packaging to deal levels and, and everything else uh, we definitely keep a, a, a keen eye on that and and thankfully we've uh, again adding staff and adding expertise and, and really rounding out the crew we've finally been able to, to really start to, to get a sensory program off the ground. Yeah. But that sensory program in conjunction with, with Untapped will really kind of tell us, you know, are we on the right path or not? And I will pause it right there and let Derek kind of finish that comment. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that Untapped dictates what we're doing, but obviously we want to know what our consumers think of the yeah. beer. Um, and that gives them a direct voice and gives us immediate feedback. And... Um, like Colin mentioned, Skip is on board now, and he put together our sensory program. So every week we're sitting down and tasting what's in barrels, um, what's in brights, what's in the fermenter. Okay. Um, we're bringing in guest beers as well to kind of compare our beers blindly to those guest beers as well. Um, just really trying to hone in our process of, you know, getting everybody's palates on board and getting everybody using the same vernacular, everybody trying to taste the same things. Yeah. And granted, everybody's palate is going to be different, but... Um, we're able to then kind of gauge what we're doing and make process changes to adequately, you know, um, work with that. So. so, so I guess, kind of understand some of the sales softwares that are out there, especially for a brewery and also you know small businesses. But in terms of being behind the curtain, what does Untapped offer you as a brewery owner or as a brewer or as a director of operations? Do they give you data that allows you to kind of figure out the consumer a little more, or no? Like, there's nothing like that. I don't know. I mean, this is this is a do you want to talk about the, the festival aspect of Untapped? Um, yeah, so we, we've started using, well, start, it's been two years, but uh, we use Untapped um, for our festival as well. Okay. And uh, the data and output that we get from that is, is really cool to see and really valuable. Um, kind of keeps us styled in on, uh, you know, it's typically a 
barrel aged heavy um, yeah. festival, you know, like is is that working? Or do people want to see more of? Or you know, yeah. um, so that aspect has been really cool, at least from the festival perspective. Yeah, check ins, um, uh, being able to tie uh, the check ins to uh, where is this untapped person from? Okay. It's very very basic uh, analytics, and it honestly it's nothing that we really hardcore use. Yeah. Uh, we're more uh, functioning in the world of uh, Ecos. Ecos is our uh, brew system. Okay. Uh, handles everything from recipe ordering, ingredients, to batch creation, COGS nice. analysis. Uh, that's all the sales guys put their orders in there. Logistics does their printouts, their loadouts, uh, all that sort of good stuff. We use barcoding on everything so we know what it, you know where everything is at, at all points in time. Um, but by and large, I would say that probably the system we use most is uh, our taproom manager, uh, Eric, uh, utilizes Square okay. for style uh, trends. Nice. And that's probably the most important part to say, stylistically, you know, here's four double IPAs, which one did well? And then we can say to Derek, like, hey, 3.8 is doing better than everything else. Item box is a firm number two. These other ones are not. What do you want to do? Yeah. Or maybe why? Yeah. Why why are these the leaders and these aren't? Uh, and sometimes it's a marketing effort too. And so we have a lot of fun with that. Sometimes we've gotten into the uh, uh, the game of doing some A/B testing, and so we'll we'll put a, a beer on the board uh, here in the tap room, and we'll call it two. It's the same beer, and we'll call it two different things. Nice, just to see like oh, is, is it amazing. the name? Yeah. Is it the way that it's presented? Is it the label? Mm -hmm. Like, what is it about this that is that is making it move? And most of the, I'll be quite honest, most of the experiments have failed. We don't have enough data to to really understand the nuance between A and B yeah. uh, testing there. Uh, but just the fact that we're willing to experiment in that way and and try to dig into the the whys of um, we're very scientifically minded in that regard, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, we probably have the shortest lab of maybe any brewery in Colorado right now. It's turning a corner, but uh, that said, we are all scientifically minded, mm -hmm. and we're very interested into the the whys of, of yeah. how things are. So, I'm taking over this conversation. Sorry, Jay. That's you all more right. Questions? No, no, no. And, and I've kind of lost my train of thought, frankly, listening to the science behind it. And it's funny. The square thing always cracks me up because coming from my banking and finance background, square is like. Oh, it's so simple. It's like it's the, just the most bare bones yeah, kind of a thing. It's just like a plug and pay. Right. Like anybody can use it. Anybody can have it. But if you know how to use it the oh, right way right. and you turn to it and you rely on it, it becomes a marketing tool. It becomes a research tool. Oh, are they becomes, paying us for advertising? Yeah. No, they wow, should be, geez. though. Jeez. I mean, not Square. That wasn't Square yeah, that does that. Was, that. No, no, no. That, that was the other guy. Startup. You know, and, and I and I would say this, too. I don't know if um, we would be relying so much on Square if we didn't change beers every single week. Okay. Square is a, a time and a place analysis. Yeah. And less more uh, a style, like, how does the style do over the long term? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But because we change beers so frequently, it's more about that seasonality, yeah. the release day of, what was the week before, what was the week after, event-wise. Maybe Greeley was doing something, maybe they weren't. Yeah. Maybe we had an event, maybe we did our invitational. And so the next weekend, like, this place is, is totally, like, sparse. 
it's more about that that seasonality and, and time and day trend more than it is style. Yeah. So if we had a if we had like a fat tire, a white rascal, or something like that, Square's probably not going to be the best analytics into into why. But because we change beer so frequently, it, it absolutely works for us in, in that analysis regard. So changing beers, last year, 18 was the year of what, 100 beers? Is that right? 137. Yeah. We needed to shore up the recipe bank, and uh, we did it. So. Good, good, good. <laughs> and what did that do from a from – a, drinker's perspective i mean did you see people coming back day after day week after week looking for every new beer that was coming down the pike or were there people that were like you know what i'm 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 in tune with the five or six or eight that i like quit screwing with it Uh, i mean it was a bit of a mixed bag but uh especially seeing this year compared to last, um, you know, six months in, we can definitely tell that it, it was a really, it, it was an experiment. <laughs> it was a fun one. Um, and it was very beneficial to our taproom, actually. Uh, we would release beers on draft on Thursday and then in packaged format on Friday. And uh, every Friday was phenomenal. We were getting everyone from all over the state really coming up. And every Thursday was kind of like the locals day. And, uh, we had some people that would even, you know, like 49 weeks in be like, I have not missed a Friday yet. I oh come up gosh. from Denver wow. to wherever. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it, it was kind of cool. Like as we were saying, we don't heavily rely on untapped, but it was kind of fun to go back at the end of the year. And we did a user's poll also and just say like, all right, well, we're our top beers here. Um, and uh, say like, well, these are apparently good ones. People liked them. So we're going to rebrew them. That's why we've been, you know, re-releasing a lot of the fan favorites, which has been, you know, um, really great for this year too and back to that kind of fine tuning um, taking those beers because it, it was a lot our production team went through a lot um, so you know making sure that we're making any necessary tweaks to improve the beer um, you know it, it got a little <laughs> a little crazy towards the end is like all right well this, you know people are kind of giving us grief about this is basically the same beer as that with you know one simple addition or you know one edit but oh yeah you know but we were having fun with it and i think by and large everyone else did too yeah don't listen to those one or two haters on that stuff always going to be haters to kind of speak to what Kristen was saying uh you know having released such a insane amount of beers in one year um yeah it definitely we can go back revisit the ones that that were successful, maybe the ones that weren't quite as successful, kind of determine, you know, what process changes, what ingredient changes can we make? Could we sub out a different hop? Could we change this malt? Could we add an adjunct here or there? Could we take what was kind of a base and turn it into something completely different? Mm -hmm. Um, So that keeps it really interesting and fresh. Makes total sense. In respect of your time, we'll wrap this up, but got to ask you, the three of you are uh, trying to make this the final question. What is the beer, the craft beer, ideally, that kind of introduced you to this industry, that changed how you drink beer and why you drink beer and all of these things? Is there a particular beer that you had, whether it be in Indiana or whether it be out here, that you said, wow, like this is, I want to do this or this is special? Start with Kristen. Christine. (laughs) Christine. With a C. uh, (laughs) With a C, yes, of course. (laughs) Um... You know, honestly, it, it was probably back in Indiana. Um, I went to Indiana University and um, at the time was a small brewery down there called Upland. Um, and it, it just kind of blew my mind to see what craft is, yeah. you know, like not just from the, the beer. Like, I, you know, at the time, 
21, sure, 21. Yeah, but, you know, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Upland Those Wheat. Those big tin schools. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, Upland Wheat was the first switch from, like, Keystone Light. And I was yeah. like, oh, wow, you know, this is something special. And then you start going to the brewery. And it's just, it really illustrated to me um, what craft is from a product, from an experience. Uh, just, it was the introduction to this culture and this industry. And it is the most amazing industry in the world to be in. Yeah, agree. It's... Uh, pretty special there uh for me it was probably left hands milk stout yeah um and also left hands good juju their ginger pale ale okay um were nice. both amazing and both way ahead of their time back before lactose was going into ipas i mean yeah. lactose was a crazy adjunct to be adding to beer um and uh that's still one of my favorite beers so were they were they kind of the first ones to really push that envelope? on a large scale yeah yeah, yeah. They, were, they were for sure good to know we gotta get up there yeah we do colin I would say for me, it's more about experience. Um, Yeah. And the team behind the breweries. So I'll pick on uh, like Cerebro. Um, Crushable beers. I mean, any beer that they come out with is, they're they're my favorite brewery right now in Colorado. And that'll, I'm sure that'll change uh, next year. And I'll be latched on to, glommed on to to somebody else. But uh, just the the vibe, the energy, the, the team that they have over there. That's what I always look at. It's just... Do the are these people treated right? Are they given the tools to to succeed? Are they cared about? Is that care then coming out in the beer? And in in their example, it absolutely is. And so it's super fun to to visit. Again, Kristen sends us all over the place. Quit sending us all over the place. Uh, but we go all over the place and we see all these different breweries and they're all doing different things. Uh, great friends over at Homes Brewing uh, uh, in Michigan. Uh, they have a, an awesome kind of a Thai fusion restaurant going on. We have friends in Brooklyn. We have friends all over the place. And some are in city centers and some are in the outskirts and everywhere in between. But it's that passion piece that, that I just glom on to. Mm-hmm. And everybody has it in, in different stages and for different reasons. Uh, I would say operationally, like nobody can beat us. Uh, and I don't have any problems uh, saying that. But entrepreneurial spirit wise we we are definitely get we get beat by the upstarts and and it's just fun to see to your point the reasons why they got into it and what beers made them excited and how they're defining their taproom experience around that love of whatever they're coming from and that synergy and energy of of where they're coming from and and uh but it for me again it, it's just more of that uh, that experience piece of it, that connected piece of it. And that's what we're trying to do a little bit more of a better job here to Kristen's point. We haven't really invested a whole lot in, into marketing and to really defining our, our story. And we should be the primary storytellers of our story and, and not the, the public. And we've been gracious, uh, uh, we've, we've been uh, given the grace of the public for them to tell a great story about us, um, sight unseen. Um, but it's time for us to control that message and to do a little bit better job of uh, being a little particular about that and, and guiding that and um, really taking the next step uh, with that. But um, there's cool people out there doing a lot of cool things, and I'm just, we're just, all of us here at Weldworks are soaking all that up by players like Wiley Roots, Cerebral. Uh, liquid mechanics in this state and then everywhere beyond voodoo and everybody else. I will say this though. The ones, you know, we've done enough of these interviews. It seems like the ones 
that have that long-term that there's longevity there you can see it it's the fact that you focus on the inside first right that internal communication the internal uh, workings of the operation making sure things are the brand has to be solid from the inside out mm-hmm. and so when you say that and you think about turning uh, outward facing oftentimes I mean a lot of these breweries that just don't make it they start from that as as you know point a as opposed to waiting and figuring out how things work inside before before pivoting and looking outside so props to you and i would say that so much of the success of what you guys have done here has to do with with that i mean even just body language sitting here and having this conversation it's very clear that you get along and that you are confident in the product and and that you that you three especially in your different uh, departments know what the fuck you're doing so this is uh, fantastic well in 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 the same vein as the uh uh the uh the tasting notes on our beers and including more breweries and the designing of our beers and everything else that we're doing in that regard, everything is built to be scalable here. And it, there, it's we're not a typical brewery where it's just me and Neil going like, what do you want to do? I want to do this. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. Like him and I don't have really much to do with anything of the day-to-day operations and in what happens. We've picked our heads up and, and, and we uh, look upward and, and onward from that. And we leave it up to our teams to add their own spice in life and their own palates and their own experience and create your own events and create your own beers and all that sort of stuff. And I think we are uh, a leader because of that. And, and it's, as a business owner, it's hard to let go a lot of times. And uh, we have done a very, very fucking good job of letting go. And just great. letting talented people yeah. run with it. Yeah, it's all You about. guys do your thing. Like, we'll be all right. All right. I need management like that. I know, exactly. I need well, to manage you. more. Thank like, you. I need you to manage three. more like Let's that. Let's do a yeah. cheers real quick. Let's put the mics cheers in there. That, baby. Thank you so much. Uh, everybody's heard of Weldworks, but if you haven't, you got to get to Greeley. I mean, they are, I would argue, the best beer in the state. Find them on the shelf. Find them in the bar, but yes. get your ass to Greeley. Yeah, for sure. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Have a great day, guys. Brother.